0: Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Welcome to Everything Co-op this beautiful Thursday morning. We have rain in Washington, D.C., uh, but it's good rain. We need some good rain. And today we have Greg. Greg Brosky has been on the program before, and we're having him on so he can talk about the new cohort of this, in this co op class of 2020. Good morning, Greg. Good morning, Vernon. So excited to be back on your show. I'm glad you're back on. I'm glad you do what you do in terms of getting cooperators to. to what do you do? What is StartUp?
1: <laughs> well, as some of your listeners may remember, uh, StartUp is an accelerator for the country's most promising entrepreneurs. So each year, we do an application process. Um, we got about 80 applications this year for six slots um, from all sectors of the economy. You know, housing, food, healthcare, technology. Um, and we choose the best six teams. Um, and we bring them through what is traditionally a, a 12-week program. This year was very different, obviously, because of COVID. Um, and we surround them with mentorship, with financing, with a curriculum of service providers. And our goal is to give them all the support they need to help them bring their business to scale, to impact, and to help them really achieve their vision. So, um, so we're thrilled to be back. And, yeah, and, and actually the reason we're, we're here today is um, we're graduating the second cohort uh,
0: in just a few weeks. So you have 80 applications for only six slots. Wow! Yeah, it's
1: it's it's very competitive. There's a lot of people, I think, really who want to start uh, shared ownership businesses, cooperative loan businesses right now, um, and uh, I, I think we have a slightly different approach. And um, yeah, so we got some amazing applications. I wish we could actually support more people, but the teams so, in, in this year's class are. Super exciting, and you're going to meet a few today, and, and I think your listeners will hear from a few others next week.
0: So I got there are four different segments of, of co ops. So the first one is a worker co op. If it's owned and controlled by the employees, it's called a worker co op. So you got some of those, right? And you're 80. You got some worker co ops. So we got worker co ops. Yeah, we got we do. Okay, and then we the have second a one is today show. Yeah, the second one is consumer co ops, and those are co ops that are owned by. The uh, people that uses the products or services, and you already said you had a housing co-op as a consumer co-op. You have credit unions, a consumer co-op. REI is a consumer co-op. So that's anybody where the community owns the business. They own and control it. Did you have any of – you said housing. So you had some of those in your group.
1: We have housing. And also on City Show, we have have Ampled, which is a uh, musician-owned co-op. So I I would put that into the consumer category, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, and we have so we have actually three worker co-ops in this year's program and two consumer co-ops.
0: Okay, and the other two types are a purchasing co-op. If a group of people or companies get together and they form a business, they form a co-op to buy what they need. Farmers have been using it forever, and now we've, I've found some musicians are doing it. Um, they, they come together. Artists are beginning to use it. They come together. in in um, Pittsburgh, there's a group called Ujama that artists have come together. They make different things, and they buy their products. And they bought a – they didn't buy a building, but they leased out a space where they can sell their products. And, and one of them couldn't do it. So that's a purchasing co-op. And the other one's are marketing or producer co-op so that they – join together like farmers again. All the farmers would put, put their milk in and a producer like cabbage creamery will make cheese or whatever from it. So those are four different segments. And you had yeah, and 80.
1: Yes, we, from
0: all different categories of the
1: economy, all different levels of supply chain. And, yeah, and, and actually, in this year's color, we do have a team, I think that will be on next week's show, that is a farmer co-op. It's a black-led farmer ag tech co-op for farmers looking to create higher crop yields by helping farmers convert to selling CBD and commercial hemp. Um, So we do have our first uh, farmer-producer co-op. Fantastic. Where are they located? They're located in in Minnesota, but they actually have members from um, four or five different states
0: already, so they're they're doing a great job. It'd be interesting to hook them up with the Federation, the Southern Federation of Cooperatives, and there are a lot of black farmers in the 13 southern states, and they're looking at some of the same kinds of same kind of things. So, what what are the kinds of things that? You, why do you like doing this, Greg? What do you get out of this? Personally, <laughs> well, yeah, that's a, that's
1: a great question. You know, I was very fortunate. I was raised in a, in a family where we we talk about cooperatives the way that maybe some families talk about sports or about politics. My father, when I was fairly young, about seven years old, actually started a purchasing co-op. Uh, when I was growing up in Manchester, New Hampshire, my dad ran. The local carpet store, um, not not terribly exciting, but um, he did sponsor our soccer teams a few years in a row. But when I was about seven or eight, he got together nine friends and he, he formed this co-op with some other guys who owned carpet stores around the U.S. and and that group grew and grew and you know eventually I had to sell his own carpet store to help run this this group. And so today, that group has about two thousand stores around the country helping to keep family businesses alive. And so. Uh, I was extremely fortunate. I, about 15 years ago, I got the opportunity to work with my father and my particular passion was, was bicycle stores. And so we created a co-op for bicycle stores. Right. And, and so we help them, you know, purchase things and save money together and work together in training and marketing. And I got this really unusual glimpse into how to start a co-op at scale that I think some people don't get the opportunity to see, uh, maybe especially at a young age. And so, um, So I, I, you know, I actually worked in the tech community a little bit for a little while and I came back around and I really feel like there was an opportunity to teach other people how to do this. And uh, it it came up for me in my own personal life when I was approached by a group of brewery owners who wanted to create a a co-op. And, uh, you know, ironically, I I, I don't even really drink that much beer. I'm more of a whiskey guy. and. uh, (laughs) But they said, hey, you know, we need someone to do this. You know, we don't know how to start this thing. And what I realized was that there are other entrepreneurs who are looking for structure and support. And so, you know, I did help the brewery owners on a consulting basis. And there's now about um, well over 50 brewers around the country representing 600,000 barrels of beer in this group working together. But what I realized out of doing that project was that, geez, you know, wouldn't it be fun to work with other entrepreneurs in other categories? And can we, can we innovate cooperative development? I I think there's a tendency in in the cooperative development field to sort of do one at a time. And and the co-op model has so many important benefits in terms of uh, keeping communities healthy, in terms of sharing wealth, in terms of creating democratic ownership where people's voices are heard, but it's, it's not an easy model. I I think that's something you and I have, talked about that, you know, it's certainly hard to be a startup entrepreneur in any category, but I think to be a cooperative entrepreneur has its own unique challenges. You know, not not everyone understands, you know, what you're trying to do. Uh, The financing can be a little more complicated. The governance can be a little more complicated. So how do we clear some of the the hurdles? How do we make it easier for people to do it? And so uh, my father, who I I still talk to about co-ops and actually that was serves on several co-op boards himself. He and I were talking one day about, geez, probably three and a half, four years ago now. And he said, you know, what if we created an accelerator for, for co-ops? You know, what if we just made it easier for people to go down this path? And that's really where it started. And so we were very lucky to bring in some other, um, you know, real thought leaders in the space. Uh, but the goal was really just to, to put all the things in one spot to make it easier for people to go down these paths because, I think each of our entrepreneurs, while they're in very different sectors, have such amazing visions uh, for how they want to empower their particular community and how they want to
0: spread uh, the cooperative vision. Greg, you mentioned your father twice. Would you give a shout-out to your dad? Who's your dad? Just and, and thank him.
1: <laughs> yes, my, my father is known in the, in the floor-covering world and the cooperative world only. Uh, but, yes, my father's name is Howard Brodsky, and he is, um, I will say proudly, he is, the first American to win an award called the Rochdale Award, which some people call the Nobel Prize of uh, Cooperative Development, uh, which is given every two years by the International Cooperative Alliance. So he um, still works with all the carpet dealers and, and also serves on the NCBA board and uh, the Cooperatives for a Better World board and a number of other boards. But he's, he's a real inspiration
0: for me in this work. Fantastic. Fantastic. So how do you how do you choose? So you, you send out. And you get these applications when will you send out your next cohorts when when will that go out yeah you know we we get inquiries weekly
1: asking about the next cohorts i wish we could actually expand the program faster than we have you know it's a pretty limited crew right now myself and my co-director jessica mason but um we're graduating uh, this year's cohort in early october and we hope to open applications up in december or january to start a next cohort sometime next spring so for people who are interested you know, they can email us hello at start.coop or just go to start.coop and sign up for a newsletter because we're always looking for, you know, the the next big group. And I, and I think
0: really our interest is, you know, people who have a vision for scale. So I need to get that again. They said you could email you at hello at? At start.coop and that's the full
1: URL um, or Greg at start.coop is, is super easy as well. And uh, yeah, and, and, you know, maybe it's useful if I go back, you had asked about how we select the teams, and that's kind of always an interesting question. So, you know, we actually list the criteria on our website, but I, I would say at a high level, you know, it's really about sort of, you know, a, what is the, what is the team's vision? You know, what is the social impact that they want to have for their community? Who are their owners or who are their owners going to be and how is it going to impact their lives? B, you know, is the model financially viable? You know, does it actually make sense from a business point of view? See, you know, can they, can they execute? Uh, you know, is this just an idea or do they have enough background and some experience to really pull it off? And then, and then the last one I, I think I focus on is just there is a certain amount of entrepreneurial passion you have to have to do any startup. You know, I know we, we all love the club community because it lifts up a lot of different people, but I, I, I think there is a role for entrepreneurs in the cooperative world, and this is something I think about a lot, and, and talked to a lot of people about that. I think it's a very humble form of leadership to create an organization that really is about lifting other people up. You know, we live in this world where we think that you know it, it's it's a CEO world of kind of alpha males, and it's all about how they can gain financially. And the, the entrepreneurs we work with are really uh, extremely humble, extremely smart, creative, caring people who are doing this. Uh, because they have a vision of how to bring others along for the ride with them. And I think we need need more of that entrepreneurship in America.
0: Fantastic. And if somebody wanted to support you, how would they do that? I mean, if somebody wanted to either donate or invest into start.coop, how would they do that?
1: Yeah, well, we we always love donations. And so um, people can go on our website or reach out to us. And we just added a donation page about three weeks ago. And at a graduation event, which is the People's Pitch coming up on October 9th, we're hoping to be announcing – a fund where people can actually invest in each year's class. So we'd love to talk to you about that if people are interested in learning more about how to invest in cooperatives.
0: Thank you, Greg. And if you need to, if you'd like to get with them, go to start.coop. You look at contact and you can donate. We'll be right back. Please don't touch that dial. Information is power. This is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Cooperative. Uh, Glad you're back. Uh, WL is a great partner because information is power. But on the first month of our program, which was seven years this coming October, we've been on the show, Papa Sin from Senegal said that it is not information that gives you the power. It's when you put the action to the information. So Greg has talked about the information that they give these uh, new startups, that's why he started, he called his business Start.coop. to help startups get the information they need so they can have a successful business and go to scale. And the first one we're going to talk about today is Amplit. Amplit is the business. And today to talk about Amplit is Austin Roby. Austin, good morning. Hi. I want to correct you on two things
2: quickly. It's Ampled, like Sampled, and uh, last name is Roby. Got it.
0: But, hi, great to be with you. <laughs> okay. Thank you for that correction. That's one of the things I like about the co-op world. We, we sort of help each other. That's what it's all about. So how did how did you find out about Start.coop and decide to apply? There's not many options out there for
2: funding cooperatively owned businesses. I, I, I feel like when we first were exploring the idea of how to resource a cooperative platform, all signs kind of pointed towards start.coop as being one of the kind of like few pioneering groups that were really taking leadership in this role. And um, we uh, we actually had applied the first cohort. This is the second cohort. Um, we were a little bit too early, the first cohort. I, I don't even think we really had like a fully baked plan or a website at the time, but we were lucky enough to get in the second cohort um, and yeah, it's a great group of people. Um, and then working uh, with, with Greg and Jessica, the other co-director has been awesome as well.
0: Fantastic. So what is ample ample? is, do? what kind a, of business? Uh,
2: it, it's a platform co-op. So think about the logic of uh, cooperatively owned businesses, but in kind of like the digital Platform world. And what we are is a web based platform that allows musicians to be directly supported on a recurring basis. So artists can create a page, um, post unique or exclusive content, and then their community can support them directly for $3 a month or whatever they want above that. So um, if the listeners are familiar, a parallel would be like a platform like Patreon specifically for music and cooperatively owned by its
0: artists and workers. Okay, so if I am an artist, I sing. You don't want to hear me sing, but I, we're gonna make this up. So I sing and I have trouble getting gigs. I may get a gig once once a month and therefore my income is sporadic and therefore it's also hard for me to live. I try to wash dishes or bus tables or whatever to make money until I get gigs. What's the benefit of me joining Ample? Well, I think uh, you mentioned
2: gigs, and in a lot of ways, musicians are kind of like the original gig workers. There's a lot of conversations now about uh, this economy of gig workers and facing volatile income. You know, none of the real benefits of employment none of the real benefits of ownership in the platform economy so what we're trying to do is give more predictable recurring life-changing income to artists uh, we open up the platform at the beginning of may and we do have one uh artist that's paying her rent through the platform of uh, just being directly supported by a group of people that love her work
0: so if i know this artist or let's say somebody know me will stay with me being the artist if I could send out to everybody that knows me and say, Would you please give $2 a month, $3 a month, $5 a month, or wherever you want to support me as I grow my business, get more gigs, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And you could use your page on Ample to post anything behind the scenes, or if
2: you have uh, demo recordings of, of you singing, uh, anything that's kind of like contextual, valuable, cool information. So, uh, artists on Ample post a lot of different things. It's very open-ended in what can be posted. Sometimes it's demos, sometimes it's just using it like a blog. And we have one uh, musician on the platform that posts cooking videos um, because he's interested in cooking. So it's basically like a way to get like an insight and into kind of like a more personal context of like seeing what's behind the scenes.
0: So what does somebody that would support me by giving me $3 a month get besides just a, pleasure of supporting me because they know me. Do they get any discounts off the tickets of my shows or anything? Is there anything they get back?
2: I think in large part it really is the emotional reward of knowing that you're supporting an artist directly because it's so difficult now. I I, I think that it's something that people are becoming more and more keen to is that the streaming economy with Spotify, Apple Music does not pay artists equitably. Um, And so this is a way to know that you're compensating artists
0: and that it's going directly to them on a platform that's owned by them. So when you say it's owned by them, so I am an artist, I join, I have people paying, what what does it mean for me to own it? What does that mean?
2: Well, we've set it up as simply as possible where artists become eligible to become artist owners after getting 10 supporters on the platform. So we have several artist owners right now. Once they become an owner, they get a, a stock certificate in the mail. Elected board seats will have our first election for uh, board of directors in December. So I think what it boils down to is what anyone gets from ownership. It's financial interest. It's um, a level of decision making that's codified into the organization um, so that it is truly owned and controlled by the artists and workers.
0: Fantastic. So you've only been around eight months. You started in May. Well, you haven't been eight. It'll be eight months in December when you get to have your elections. So far, you've only been around five months, almost five months, and you've got some artists that already have 10 or more people coming so they can be a member at that point. They can be a member owner, get their share of stock, have a say-so, can run for the board and all of the benefits of being a member.
2: Yeah, we have artists with over 100 supporters, too. Uh, I think with a cooperative model, the logic really is that whether an artist has 10 supporters or a million supporters,
0: they still have equal say in how a business is run. It doesn't depend on how much money they have or how how many people. They still have one member, one vote. I think that's the second principle, democratic ownership, Mm -hmm. which we're going to talk about later in the the show, these principles. How would someone reach you if they want to, they may not even know an artist, but they want to support, or if they are artists and they want to see about joining and becoming a member, how would they reach out for you?
2: Well, you go to Ample.com. It's A-M-P-L-E-D.com. And I would encourage everyone to to tune in on October 9th to the Talk People's Pitch. And the answer to that question will actually be announcing then on how uh, other people can
0: participate in the cooperative if they're interested in supporting the organization. So I'm glad you brought up this people's pitch because I had meant to talk to Greg about that. What, what does it mean? People's pitch? What pitch are you doing?
2: We'll be, um, you know, making a pitch kind of like as you would to, to investors kind of, kind of uh, akin to, like a demo day at like a tech accelerator but this is basically us kind of telling our story and getting people involved greg could probably speak more to to uh, the background of the people's pitch
0: okay so you will be prepared to give a five ten minute presentation on your organization october 9th october 9th is the last day of the cooperative impact that NCBA is giving this year. And it's going to be online. Everybody can you can go to ncba.coop and get all of the information about impact. It's normally expensive. I think it's down to $35 to do it this year. Um, so you can go in and hear all about co-ops. So you will be given a pitch on the ninth. That's that correct. correct? Uh, it'll be all, all of the
2: six teams that are part of co-op will be presenting.
0: Is that a five-minute pitch, 10-minute pitch? It's a six-minute pitch. All right. All right. I look forward to, to hearing that one. So why did you choose co-op? Well, I think, um, you know, we, um, we
2: actually weren't that familiar with co-ops, starting, to be honest. I think that um, we were drawn to an idea of sharing ownership as a way of aligning interest and a way of keeping uh, incentives, and decisions accountable and aligned as well. When we d- looked at this, I mean, in, in tech, so much is is um, decided by VC funding and what's VC fundable. And we discovered this co-op model and decided that it really just was the best option to have one member, one vote. So it was just a, it was a long road of discovery. When we read a lot, I think like talking to Greg uh, at StarTalk Co-op helped a lot in our early explorations as well. And yeah, I think it, once we once we kind of like learn more, it all clicked. Uh, I think the problem is there's there's not that much information on starting a co-op, uh, but Start Co-op is helping
0: that. Thank you very much, sir. We'll be right back, everybody. Please don't touch that dial. We're going to come back and talk about money. We'll be right back. Thank you. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Cooperative. National Cooperative Bank sponsors this program. They've been a sponsor now for seven years. NCB's mission is to support and be an advocate for America's cooperatives and their members, especially in low-income communities, by providing innovative financial and related services. And right now, one of the... Candidates in the startup this year is Money Positive, okay, and we have Louis Wow, who is the founder of Money Positive. uh Good morning, Louis. How are you doing? Good morning, Vernon. I'm doing
2: really well. How are you?
0: Great, 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 great. So, right. what is Money Positive?
2: A company where uh, would we say we are unscary financial planning for everyone. Uh, we and kind of, we serve uh, working people, people who are have been traditionally underserved by the financial industry. We help people who are working for a living to make the the best of their incomes to build their financial security and uh
0: pursue their dreams. <laughs> That's great, uh
2: Thank
0: because you. it's awful hard to get financial planning because it's normally expensive, uh very yeah. expensive, yeah. Uh, Traditional financial planning was
2: kind of built around the assumption that someone who is doing it already has a lot of money. Like oftentimes, financial planners have minimums of how much money someone already has. Like they'll say, if you have less than five hundred thousand dollars, you can't afford to work with us. And we work with people who have who are in debt and who are trying to get out of debt. Uh, Anyone who uh, we're there for the rest. We're there for everybody.
0: So that five hundred thousand is what I had written down because that's the number I normally when I get emails it says if you've got five hundred thousand we can help you. If you don't, we can't. Uh so yeah. I I I've gotten that a lot. So you're out to help the same kind of people that uh National op Bank is, uh low income folks or working or what I call working poor. That was those were my parents. More more months in paycheck, more months, yeah. more months than yeah. money. Uh, yeah, 78% of people, of working people in America,
2: are living paycheck to paycheck. People you think how many? are doing.
0: 78% percent? of working Americans.
2: 78%. 78% of us are living paycheck to paycheck. People you don't think are living paycheck to paycheck are living paycheck to paycheck. Like, it's people who seem like they have it all together on the outside are just barely scraping by. And the longer we've done this, the more we've realized how true that is and how urgent it is. Uh, that there are, you know, systemic issues that, uh, you know, we can only help one person at a time, but that's one more person who's building financial security.
0: 78%. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's 100%. like, that's at 330 million people in the U.S., you're talking about like yeah. 250 million of the three hundred and thirty
2: yeah. It, that's of you know working people, and then, you know a lot of people are retired or are children, uh, but of like adults, uh, which would also mean their family. Uh, it's it, yeah, it's got to be well over a hundred million people. And so it, I've, yeah, I it's have, an urgent need to help them.
0: I have forty percent of Americans won't have four hundred dollars if they have an emergency. I've seen that a Yeah, yeah.
2: A lot of people who come to us have zero dollars in the bank and our first goal is to have uh oftentimes we say your first goal is to have more than zero dollars so we help people build up emergency funds so we have a a budgeting approach we want to see you know how what are people oh
0: oh, wait i'm I'm sorry louis you're gonna have a budget that's crazy man nobody wanted to do a budget i know i'm I'm, so mean wow my
2: goodness
0: yeah i know but uh our budget
2: system is a little different we're not um we don't look and see like how much you spent on coffee or eating out or whatever. We help you figure out how much you can spend. Um, no one's ever said that I, you know, ruined their life. Uh, we, what, the way we can do it is we figure out, okay, you, you know, if you have an income, how do we best use it? If you're self-employed, how much do you need to be working towards making for your finances to be sustainable? So, um, you know, we, we see, what are what do you have coming in? What do you have to spend money on? What would be the things that are really hard to change, like your rent and child care and stuff? Um, what should you be doing every month towards building your savings? Towards first, maybe like getting rid of credit card debt, building up an emergency fund, eventually investing for retirement. And in order to do that, how much can you spend in a month? So if we find that number really quickly and we say like, okay, you have 700 bucks. You can
0: spend it however you want. We don't care. Just don't go over that or whatever the number is. This is fascinating. I I find that most people, I I teach budgeting. So that's why I went there with that. Most people, when I talk about budgets, they turn off. It's worse than deer in a headlight. They just, they want to run away.
2: Yeah. Um, There's a lot of emotions and a lot of fear around money and, honestly, probably other people that they've dealt with, a lot of judgment. And you know, we're, there, we're a team of empathetic and kind people who aren't there to judge uh, the position that people are in. And one thing I think that's different, is because we're not looking at, you know, how much have you spent on what, we're, we don't dig in and say, what have you done? We tell you what to do and be there with you to help make sure that it goes okay. Uh, and a lot of times, once people have the visibility that they need to know what they can spend, they're able to make adjustments. I've been just honestly completely impressed. We've been doing this for five years. And just the resilience and flexibility of people, once they know what they need to do, their ability to do it is
0: incredible. And so you do this with a uh, Priority Software Package?
2: Uh, yeah, we have a proprietary software package. Um, my uh, co-founder, Paul Stiverson. Uh, we're a team of four people, about three, six. but we have our own software, uh, and the software is what lets us be really efficient as planners so that we can charge a approachable amount so that we can, as we're able to be really efficient in our work so that we're able to serve a lot of people. Right now, we serve 70 households across the country. Uh, we want to be you know, serving hundreds, thousands, eventually millions of people.
0: Okay, so you have you have a market of 250 million people, or like you say, over 100 million people that need this service. Yeah, uh, so yeah. the 70- uh, seventy. Yeah,
2: is increasing financial security for all. So we got to get to them. They're out there, and we need to get to
0: them. Okay, that's probably about (laughs) point zero 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 seven percent. We're working on it. Yeah, open space to go. Okay. Mm -hmm. That that is wonderful. I I like this. So if I wanted to do this seriously, I may want to sign up for this (laughs) and see if other people want to. What would I have to do to to get into this?
2: have a call with me or one of our planners. Uh, going to moneypositive.com and signing up. You can sign up directly, or you can book a call with the planner if you want to learn more. And the way it works is, someone signs up. We do what's called an onboarding session because we have this software. This software is where we do all the organizing. So we see like what's going on with you. What are all your expenses? What you know debts do you have? What uh, cash if you have any cash? What do you already have? What student loans do you have? And we'll sit there with you and get you onboarded and then review your stuff and come back to you and say, okay, here's what we think your budget should look like. And here's what we think like the three most important things are for you. And then we meet with people about every other week for the first few months to like help them get set up. You know, we will sit there with them while they're on their bank's website, trying to navigate around yeah, that's the button type this doc symbol in click. Okay. And then after that, we start checking in with people, you know, monthly, every other month or so, just to make sure that everything's going okay, that everything's on track. You know, has anyone changed jobs, are you expecting new kids, are you moving, and just making sure that everything's on track. But yeah, people who want to get started, the best way is to go to uh, moneypositive.com, click on, there's a get started button, or they can email me at lewis. Lewis at money-positive dot com or info at money positivecom dot com. According to the it? website, and we'll meet with Lewis, anybody, to give anybody a free hour to to learn and talk, whether they sign up. Okay, or
0: time. Lewis at moneypositive.com dot com or yeah, info L-E-W-I-S. at moneypositive.com. dot com. Yeah, Lewis. Okay, Lewis. I want to encourage you and Austin to get you get money-positive dot co-op. I have it.
2: Yeah, you have, have it. Yeah, yeah, you can go to moneypositive.coop.
0: Okay, I rather okay. That's the one I want to yeah, support. Yeah, use
2: that one. Thanks.
0: Moneypositive.coop and amp. And I also or, want to put out there is that co-op. I am a supporting artist on Ample. I'm a,
2: a proud uh, consumer member over <laughs> on Ample. <laughs> okay.
0: How did you choose co-op? How did you choose to go co-op with this?
2: So originally, it was it was just me. I was a Scientists surrounded by a bunch of really smart people who didn't know and who didn't know how to do anything with their money. Like, and I thought, if these really smart people don't know how to do it, what's that say for the rest of us? So I got started, starting thinking it was going to be a little side business. Then my friend Paul, who I mentioned, you know, saw what I was doing. and was really interested in the mission and in helping out. He's a software engineer. He's like, "Let me build you software so that you can do this better." We became a B Corp a couple of years later, a benefit corporation, and people started coming out and started coming to us and saying, how did you do this? How do, we, how do we do this? And at first, we were telling people, like, okay, here's everything you did, everything we did. There's 100 million people out there not worried about competition. Go out there and do it. And then we realized, well, wait, what are we doing? Telling people, just telling people how to do it. We should be doing it together. And once we had that thought, it was actually Paul's idea to become a cooperative, but it it was kind of the natural thing um, to form a cooperative uh, once we had that realization that we could all just be cooperating together, working together. Um, And I really believe that it's going to be a successful model because there's a lot of really talented people who want to get into the industry. And there's also a lot of really wonderful people in the financial planning industry who, wanted, who came in wanting to really help people and ended up having to, you know, get into the uh, the gritty world of finances and I think are going to want to get in and maybe join us and start really helping people.
0: Okay, so this is very serious. I learned about co-ops being a property manager. So I was managing, I started a property management company. I started a property management company to make money. I found out that I met a lot of people, most of which would come in to rent, and they did not have – they had no money to put down. At best, if they could scrape up uh, one month's rent for security deposit, it would be hard for them to get the next month. They needed two months' worth. It was hard. So I ended up teaching and counseling people. It became my ministry of teaching people. And I wish I had some program like this to send folk to uh, so I I could see – both using this, and perhaps even become one of your partners to help people get this because this is something that I've done just sort of organically helping that people. and it's Phenomenal, phenomenal. That, that'd be tremendous.
2: We have a kind of a two pronged approach that I think would work well with that. We bring we as we grow uh, in the company, we bring in new financial planners, but also we are building towards where people who just want to help their communities could become could join us and start helping their communities. If you want to help to People in your neighborhood or your church or whatever, we're working towards that. So, again, imagine getting to a place where people are like, I want to help my tenants who start and start doing it. So, yeah, yeah, we should talk.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> anybody out there, you go to moneypositive.coop or um, reach out to Lewis, L E W I S, at moneypositive.coop to get information about how you get control over your money, how you get control over your finances. And this is why, no reason I started this. This this uh, radio program is to get people to understand about co ops so they could start their own to get control and get financial wealth. And we'll be right back, everybody. Please don't touch the dial. We'll come back and talk to Lewis and Austin about the principles of co op. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oakes. The program is everything cooperative. We have. Austin and Lewis on, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about cooperative values and principles. Lewis, can we start with you? How do you use cooperative values in your business? Yeah, so we're, we have democratic
2: control. we are owned by our members. We're, we're owned by our worker members and so everyone votes for who's on the board and then decides who's going to run everything. but we also have the ability that uh, if something want, if someone wants to bring something to a vote. Like, anyone can bring anything to a vote if they get someone to second it. And then we have a a voting system of voting of one to five, uh, and things have to get a three or better, and they pass. So anyone can bring change inside the organization. And we also really believe in uh, the cooperation among cooperatives uh, principle, and we try to work with other co-ops wherever possible. So who are your members, and how many members do you have? Uh, we have four members right now. We're about to bring in two more. Uh, Kelly Bethy, Kate Herman, Paul Steverson, and myself are the current members. And Annie Sun and Kavita Kopa are about to come in as financial coaches. Right now, we do it through uh, recruitment and invitation. Uh, as the company grows, we bring in more people.
0: Okay. So, Austin, for your musicians, you're saying that the musicians are your members. Is that correct? Yeah, it's
2: um – um. It's a multi-stakeholder cooperative, so there's there's ownership classes for both workers and artists. So both have kind of like distinct thresholds for becoming a member, and both have kind of like specific governance powers, specifically electing representatives on a board of directors.
0: So the first first principle says volunteer and open membership. It doesn't make any difference about your gender, your race, your political affiliation. Uh, it's just open to everybody said, so, so do you practice that in your business? yeah um,
2: it's it's open for any artist to join. We don't have any limitations on joining except for a criteria that the members should perform and record music. I think that's a, a pretty broad umbrella, but still, I think um, I think in in kind of like creating an intentional membership base, um, allows us to do something unique, which is create a, a product that serves that constituency very well uh, and also allows for the the governance um, and decision-making of the organization to be more accountable and representative and, in addition, function somewhat like an advocacy group in addition to a platform that has a utility.
0: Okay, so you are, that's, Greg said, a consumer co-op because you've got, people that are using this product, workers and, well, it's workers and musicians. So it's both a worker and a consumer cooperative. Well, you could say that We're, the
2: musicians are producers too. Uh, I mean, I guess it, it's kind of like, yeah. um, it's not really a clear cut, um, I guess, definition for a particular co-op. I, I think like there's been talk about like platform cooperatives. It's probably more aligned with that or like a multi-stakeholder solidarity co-op.
0: And, Lewis, you are our workers. This is real clear. with you. You've got four members that are financial planners now, and you have two more financial planners coming on. They are the workers that help these consumers out there.
2: Yeah, we're workers. Not everybody is a financial planner, but, uh, yes, uh, right now it's people who work there. We hope to one day be a multi-stakeholder uh, and let our clients also be members, but – uh, in financial planning, if there's compliance issues, so we want to be very careful about how we do that. So, right now, we're just with the workers.
0: Okay. So, yours to volunteer an open membership?
2: Yeah, uh, definitely. If anyone who uh, has passion and wants to, uh, and, and empathetic, who wants to help, we you know, some,
0: some members we recruited, some people came to us. Okay. So, now I'll we'll go to the second a uh, principle Democratic member control. I think both of you already mentioned that is one member, one vote. And I like, Lewis, you had said something about you vote from one to five on an issue, and then you have yeah. to have three or better in order to pass. So yeah. That brings a whole new variable into voting. I like that. So you've already talked about, but each each member has one vote. Is that correct on any issue? Correct. Yep. We're all equal in that regard. So when you have four people, that would be hard to – to break a tie but you can break a tie when you put a weight to each of the issues. So I like Exactly. That yeah,
2: there's going to, it's going to be freer but
0: no matter what. And Austin for you is it one member one vote too in your organization with your musicians and workers?
2: That's correct. I mean, I like um the the 1 to 5 weighted voting of money positive. I think um, for us it's something that you know, it's a unique challenge for a company like ours, which is one, building a product, which requires kind of like a lot of, of resources and people to build, but also at the same time, a small government. And uh, in a lot of ways, I think that um, has to emerge in parallel with, with the rest of the organization. So we, we uh, a, a lot of things we're actually leaving kind of open that, that I think require more collective input. So we are figuring out some things as we go along. One thing that's, that is codified is electing board, boards of directors. And we're actually seeking like collective artist input in a lot of these decisions, asking like, what are the decisions that you want a say in? Which ones are better left, you know, day to day for the workers? We're, we're iterating as we go because they're, you know, obviously like designing a a governance system should be flexible for each organization. And so we're, we're figuring that out
0: as we go uh, with collective input. Flexible and challenging, yes. But it can work if everybody had that input. So the next one is member economic participation. Do, in both cases, Lewis, let's start with you, the, the, your four people, do you have to pay something in, and do they get uh, a share of the profit, and do they have a say-so of how they should break up the profits and who gets what and all of that?
2: Yeah, uh, so we, we have a buy-in of $50, and if you leave the organization, you get your equity back. Yeah, we split. In fact, we actually, everyone gets paid the same, and we hope to do that forever. But it's based on uh, hours committed. So we uh, split up all the profits uh, as patronage dividends. So we take all the hours everyone worked and then distribute the profits out to them proportionally.
0: You know, I've always had problems with that model, only in this variable. Hours is an input. So you input the number of hours. The, what comes out of that would be either how many people you work with, how, how much savings they get, how wonderful they are. And if you get ever get to a measure of what's the productivity of each of those people and you get paid on that, that would be awesome. That's hard to do, but that's what I like. If you could figure that one out, that would be absolutely wonderful, I think. Austin, what about you? What do you, what do, you do with member economic participation?
2: Well, um, in the context of a platform, you, you know, you see these um, incredible valuations of platforms, and that's because of the value that's being generated by users. So for us, we think about the the economic value input as participating and using the platform. So we've set the membership threshold for artists of being 10 supporters, not too high of a threshold to cross. It's kind of like a CAPTCHA if you're using the platform. Um, you can reasonably cross that amount. And I think by, by using the platform, getting other people to support you on it, that is the form of economic participation and input that, that makes the most sense for us. On the other hand, we have uh, worker owners, and that's uh, done just through contributing and helping build and grow the platform first. So people start out as what we call contributors. We have a time bank where people log their hours, and after a certain amount of hours, then they can become a worker owner. So it's not about putting in kind of like an initial cash investment. It's resourcing it with time and effort and that, the value that that creates.
0: That's fantastic. Fantastic. We only have a couple minutes to go over autonomy and independence education. We talked about cooperation among co-ops and social responsibility. But autonomy and independence means that you must have control over the business. So do both of you all – have that you don't have any government telling you what to do, or any anybody? This the uh, Greg Nim don't try to tell you how to run your business or have control over it.
2: No, we have regulators as a financial planning industry. But if we take investment for a uh, start, works through for what are called preferred shares, which do not come with a uh, ability to have control, which is very different than the traditional investment model and Greg every now and then reminds me that like, Hey, I'm not your boss. You do, you run your business. We're here to support
0: you. We're going to have to stop now. We could do more time and we mentioned cooperation among co-ops. Education has to be the biggest thing. And that's what I like about co-ops. Austin, I'm going to let you have the last word. What would you like to leave people with?
2: Um, well, I guess, you know, I might, if if anyone's listening, I would give one more shout out to um, this event that Lewis and I are both participating in on October 9th. Uh, it's called the People's Pitch, and um, you could find it through Google, and I'm sure we're going to start.coop to learn more. We'll be presenting each of our projects, and you'll hear from the other people in the cohort as well.
0: Thank you, everybody out there. Thank you, you guys. Thank you, Lewis and Austin, for being there. Everybody else, we'll have some more participants from this startup on next Thursday. Live uh, cooperatively this week. Thanks a lot. Your news talk station.